0: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals Podcast. Here we are on day two of the NFL draft. The Bengals have made both of their selections for the day. They traded back and acquired their, what was their 57th six-round pick, I believe. I think they have all of the six-round picks at this point. They
2: seriously have six, though.
0: They have six sixth-round picks, and, well, we, we you probably know who they picked in the second round. We're going to talk about it this way. We're going to do round, round two, round three, and then we're going to preview day three. Before we get to any of that, this episode is brought to you by Abco Safety. Just like our last couple episodes, Abco Safety is our local sponsor in Cincinnati. They are a safety supplier for a wide variety of industries. If you need safety gear at your job and most, of, most jobs do, go check out Abco AbcoSafety at abcosafety.com. Give them a call at 513-672-1818. Mention Locked on Abco when you call to get 15% off your first order. Today we'll tell you about another cool product that they are promoting. Check that out around the midway point. We'll get to it after the second round overview. That being said, let's talk about the Bengal second round. So the Bengals traded back from 42 in the second round to 52, also in the second round, and they also got the Broncos' 125th overall pick and 182nd overall pick. That's a fourth round, a late fourth round, and a sixth round pick in return for number 42. According to different charts, they either slightly won or slightly lost the trade, depending on who you believe. For the traditional chart, the Jimmy Johnson chart, that I believe NFL teams still predominantly use, the Bengals lost by 35 points. And as a team trading down, that I think is very uncommon. So just already, I'm not a fan of what the Bengals have done in the second round. And then they come back and they pick Drew Sample. And, And I don't have any issues with Drew Sample individually as a player. I think Drew Sample is a fine player, but he is... The third tight end right now, and if he if 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 and when I guess Eifert gets hurt, you, you hope he doesn't, but if Eifert gets hurt, then he becomes probably the second tight end, and that's probably okay for him as a rookie because then you use Uzama as your move tight end and you use sample in line and you don't use sample much. Maybe you cut all the two tight end stuff out of your playbook, but he he would have probably been there in the fourth, maybe the fifth, maybe even the sixth. Or or maybe that's... NFL teams are on a different planet than literally every prognosticator out there.
2: And I had him going in the sixth round to the Bengals in my final mock. I thought that's where he would fall and where he'd be valued as, and maybe even maybe the fifth round. But uh, I, it, before they even got to the pick, two other teams traded up in between the Broncos and the Bengals, and those both those teams got much better value for their trade up than the or trade down than the Bengals did. So that also started to top on my sour taste for the trade because at the same time now that leaves them with 13 picks this year. You cannot possibly use 13 picks wisely, I think, and, and you you know, you're going to cut six guys. It's really not going to be worth it at the end of the day. So, but we get to Drew Sample. It's the pick out a tight end out of Washington. And we've talked about Sample a few times on here, especially on our mock draft Mondays. He is a wide tight end. In fact, he's one of the few wide tight ends. If we go through our list, I have Hawkinson. Uh, I have Conrad that kind of can do it. And then I have Drew Sample as the next best uh, wide tight end. So if the Bengals were looking at it that way, then they'd probably see it as value. I don't think that's the correct way to look at it. I still think he would have gone much later. Uh, When you look at sample, and first for the Bengals' need, I'm going to say, wide tight end is a big or an underrated need, but it's like needing a fullback. It's like needing a uh, pass rush specialist and not to the same value. I just mean a guy that maybe will give you 30% snaps this year, maybe. Uh, You look at it last year, and they really struggled to find out who that Y guy was. It was Tyler Croft. And when Eifert and Uzama were both healthy and playing and all three were playing, Croft was barely on the field. So where does that leave sample? How often will he actually play, especially as a rookie? Not much. What can sample do? He's got good size at 65 255 He is a very, very good blocker. And I think, PFF has him as a, as a extremely good blocker. His average grades the last two years in run blocking, 82. So that is uh, very good for them. I, I think on our sheet, that is number one, Jake, uh, for for run blocking. And then he came out and he tested much better. So he only caught 20 passes this year, right? Didn't drop a single one. So he, he was only targeted 20 times probably, if that counts. Uh, but uh, his his relative athletic score ends up being an 8.8. Uh, he ran a four seven one, which I said before. You want to be faster than a four seven five if you want to have any type of production in the NFL. So he passed that threshold. He, I have I had Josh Oliver, who also went in the what's the third? It had to be the third round. Oliver went in the third round. I had him as the most comparable Bengals tight end that they normally draft. The number two guy that I, that I knocked off for Oliver was Drew Samples. So yeah, the the pick makes a lot of sense to me. And like I said, I thought he, they would have interest later. So value is really the conversation here. It's not the player. I'm fine with the player. Uh, It's just taking them in the second round. You better be right when you do that. It's been a long time since I think they've gone out on a ledge in the second round and said, this is someone we value way more than the consensus does.
0: Yeah. And we, we talked about that being Jerome Simpson, there yeah. are a few other guys you could say that for, but not in the second round. In the first and right. second round, you you don't see the Bengals really doing crazy head-scratching kind of stuff. I mean, in the first round, we've, we've said it about Cedric Abuehi, I guess, but... But the can, consensus was on him. Yeah, you can see where the NFL teams might have liked him, and, and you heard that other teams might have liked him. Uh, Drew Sample, though, you talked about his run-blocking grade. It was actually really bad in 2017, and maybe we have to go back and look and see what happened. He only had 324 snaps in 2017. So I'm guessing he probably was injured.
2: Oh, I see. My numbers are off here. Yeah, because because we're waiting the formula. So disregard that earlier.
0: He did have have three times as many snaps in 2018 when his run blocking grade was really good. And prior to that, as a freshman and a sophomore playing against older competition at Washington 2015-2016, he did hold his own as a run blocker. So definitely reason to believe that he has some promise as a run blocker.
2: He is 23 years old already, so that is kind of a slight knock against him. Obviously, he's not 24 yet, but taking Jonah Williams, that's 20, that is 21 right now, will be 22 in November. Jermaine Pratt will be 23 this year also, so sample a little bit older than all those guys.
0: Yeah, he's the oldest player they've taken so far. So you would say that there's probably limited upside for him. And an interesting thing, despite his RAS, his relative athletic score, being pretty pretty good, he said it was 8.8, something like that? Yeah,
2: Currently 8.8. At one point, it was 9.1, but then, you know, you add more players and it comes down.
0: Yeah, he he was average at everything, like average plus at everything. Yeah. He, he wasn't excellent at any one thing. And you go through and you look at his, his testing and you can see that pretty clearly. But across
2: the board, he's a pretty good athlete. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of Jesse James, who played for the Steelers. The same year, that was the same draft actually as Uzama and Croft. Uh, And I think James was a third or fourth rounder. Uh, But I could see him having a similar type career where he doesn't really have much receiving production, has a couple plays, but really he's there as an inline blocking type guy. Uh, The thing for sample, though, also is because a lot of people were were right away like, who? Apparently, ESPN coverage didn't even have anything to show on him. Uh, I don't think he's that drastically of a obscure prospect i just think when you don't catch a lot of balls you're not gonna have a lot of highlights and when you type his name in so go on twitter type his type in drew sample go over to videos uh and you will see every clip is him blocking and really good blocking there are a lot of clips of him doing his his job and i have to think of jonah williams and the sample back to back and think they drafted two of the better run blockers in this draft and how does that affect this team is that part of the plan uh, are you going to ride Joe Mixon to the promised land? Because that may be your best option, to be honest.
0: And I was really hoping after the trade back. I don't know who I was hoping for when they were on the clock. We could go back and look at that. Who were you hoping for when they were on the clock? Do you remember?
2: No, I I don't remember hoping for anyone in particular. I was kind of dreading Mac Wilson, if anything. Yeah. So uh, I I was kind of fear more than hope.
0: Has Mac Wilson been picked yet? We're we're midway through not... the third round at this point when we're recording. I don't think Mac Wilson's been picked. No, no, he hasn't been
2: based on uh, what I just saw. So.
0: so looking at the guys that went in the next few picks, for me personally, obviously my guy's is J.J. Arcega-Whiteside in that group. I think I took mm-hmm. him around that point in my shadow team this year. Juan Thornhill would have been a great pick, according to our board as well. He went to the Chiefs at 31. And D.K. Metcalf, Paris Campbell, like, uh, we, we didn't love Paris Campbell, but in terms of the fit for the offense, I think Paris Campbell probably makes a lot of sense in that underneath yeah. run-after-catch run kind of guy. DK Metcalf just would have been fun for the vertical aspect and just the, the freak athlete. Damn his agility, agility drills, but he goes out to Seattle where that's probably a really good landing spot for him with Russell Wilson.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I agree. There was some fun picks. It's been a weird second round. There's been a lot of talent on the board, right? I think when we started round two, there was a run of corners, run of offensive linemen. Uh, Dalton Reisner goes one pick before the Bengals. It was a lot of talent there, and then all of a sudden, that mid portion of second round was like weird. Hmm, yeah, uh, like teams just started dipping even in further, and and I think the talk was some of these teams were saying after pick fifteen or so, they felt like they were already in round two. So yeah. that's why we saw some weird picks at the end of round one. But that, and they said that, that should go all the way to pick seventy, which should get you through round two. But you could see these other teams started to go off the grid a little bit. I guess you heard a lot of teams
0: talk about that, actually, where they said that, you know, from the second to the fourth, everybody's the same on their board. That's at least what people were saying. And you look at picks like Jelani Tavai at 11th in the second round to Detroit, Marquise Blair to the Seahawks. The Seahawks do their own thing, so maybe they're a bad example. Uh, They did take DK Metcalf, though. Yeah, I mean, at some point, you got to love the athleticism. Yeah. And then A.J. Brown goes one pick before the Bengals or the Titans. That's probably a really good pick for the Titans.
2: I like it. I think the Titans receiving core has really been upgraded the last few years, starting with Corey Davis. Then the last, uh, last couple of years, they've been adding second, third, fourth round guys and now adding A.J. Brown to it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then I think it starts to make sense after the Bengals pick. The Bengals may have made the worst pick of the day. I think actually they did make the worst pick of the day. In terms of, in terms of now, where you can get the guy. The, uh, and this isn't anything to say that Drew Sample isn't going to be a successful NFL player of what they ask him to do. He'll be yeah. fine of what they ask him to do, more than likely, but it's just you're not getting a, a game-changer in round two. And when you see guys like J.J. Arsego White, and it's mostly receivers, White, Whiteside, Campbell, Nasir Adderley, Andy Isabella, Von Thornhill, Metcalf, so safeties and receivers.
2: I had two guys on my in my mentions that do basically uh... – analytical work in terms of mock drafts and draft yeah. rankings. Where, reach. where Right, where it's supposed to go. And for them, both of them, based on both of their data, which is different, say uh, Drew Sample was the biggest reach in the draft so far.
0: All right, so he's the biggest reach in the draft. We've talked about him as a player. We we don't dislike the player. We dislike the value. Joe, what's the grade?
2: Well, right, I'd give the player, uh, overall, I felt like he was a C-plus type prospect. Uh, g- value-wise, though, is a complete f and so that's going to bring the grade down a little bit this is a d maybe a d plus grade it's a it's a bad pick at this point it doesn't mean he's going to be a bad player but the pick is bad
0: yeah based on what we know right now i agree d plus is is probably probably generous maybe It, it might be i don't know i mean you you hope that the athleticism and the way he was used at washington hid some of his ability as a receiver right he had good hands on limited targets we can lean on that. We can lean on his, you know, above average athleticism across the board and his good track record of blocking and say, you know what? He could go be a good player. But in terms of what we know about the draft on the whole and where he was probably valued for his skill set.
2: Right. You don't want to risk, or you can risk letting somebody else draft him. It's not going to kill you if you think he's worth the third. But everyone else says he's a fifth and someone else drafts him. That's not, you know, it's not worth the risk to take him in the second round, in my opinion. If he's exactly who he's supposed to be, let's say who he is, exactly who he is as a prospect. He's a good run blocker, has good hands, but really not going to do anything as a weapon. Is that worth a second round pick, that type of player in the NFL?
0: Yeah, that's exactly the thing. The second round pick, you can still, I mean, Joe Mixon, Giovanni Bernard, Those are sexy picks, but you can still find really exciting players that make a real difference to your team. And I guess that's a really bad example because linebacker, but the point stands overall.
2: Yeah, point stands. It's, at this point, hoping for the best.
0: And we will hope for the best. We'll we'll knock the value, but you know what? Drew Sample is now a Cincinnati Bengal, and we're going to hope for the best.
2: And he went to go see Avengers Endgame today during the day he that he I'm sure he wasn't sure he was getting drafted today so he was like well I'm gonna go catch this three hour movie
0: yeah I'm doing it tomorrow I'm gonna miss some of the draft tomorrow and and see the Avengers movie so Joe uh, today we have the last of the three I- new items to tell you about from Abco safety this one goes hand in hand with the harness goes hand in hand with the helmet too really if you're gonna fall you want to wear you want to have a helmet on. Because if you take a whipper, especially if you're climbing, you take a whipper, you're going to slam your head into the wall. You want to wear that helmet, that X5000 we talked to you about yesterday. You need a sure. harness on because if you're falling, you need to be attached to a rope or in this case, this this other thing that I, I don't know much about. Maybe you know more.
2: Yeah, it can go either on your back, on your harness. And this is the uh, the new DBI Sala. It's a nano lock. What it's going to do is it's either going to connect to the back of your harness on the D-ring or it can attach to your, uh, or attach to your tie-off point. And the idea is... Uh, safety standards are if you're gonna fall more than four feet it's gonna protect you so it, as you start to fall this thing engages and doesn't make you snap your neck because of the force of just stopping you if you if you imagine something that's rigid trying to hold you up it's gonna be a hard fall it's gonna be a hard stop when you get to that point this will release slowly and give you a safe easy landing uh, which is obviously much more healthy for your body to take you're going to you're going to survive you might hurt a little bit but the point of these are to protect you and keep you alive
0: yeah and just looking at the literature here it it complies with a whole bunch of regulations and this is important it complies with osha's 1910.141 general industry four foot fall protection rule that joe just mentioned and it complies with the ansi z359.14 class a and b standards for fall safety
2: This updated NanoLac features a new energy absorber system that is 30% smaller and is a sleek, durable, nitrile rubber cover that lasts four times longer than the outgoing models. So we told you a bunch about some really great fall protection products and new products
0: from 3M that Abco Safety is selling. If you need those products or any other safety gear, talk to your safety rep and get them to call Abco Safety at 513-672-1818. That's All over the United States and outside of the United States as well, I'm pretty sure. They're a local business in Cincinnati. So if you're in Cincinnati, they should be your local supplier for all things safety. And it'll support them and the podcast. If you do give them a call, again, that's 513-672-1818. Mention Lockdown Abco and get that 15% off your first order. We'll be right back and we'll tell you what we thought about the third round. Stick with us.
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals podcast. It is day two of the NFL draft. Currently, the third round is wrapping up as we are finishing recording this episode right now. But The focus of the second half of this podcast today is the Bengals' third round pick, and they finally address linebacker with Jermaine Pratt.
0: Who at the time was the best linebacker on our board that combines productivity, athleticism, and consistency with the tape grade. So you can't be mad at it. In fact, I'm I'm happy with the pick. I, I like Jermaine Pratt, I think. He brings a skill set that the Bengals need a linebacker, which is not missing tackles.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a good one. He, I think he ranks sixth, right? the uh, yeah. Fifth, okay, of all college line, or prospects in this draft, linebackers. Oh,
0: sorry, sorry, you're right. It is sixth. He's fifth in run stop percentage. So he's really well, good great. at two things.
2: Yep, defends the run and he makes tackles. And then that's, that's exactly who I thought he was before the combine came. Uh, my first exposure was at the Senior Bowl, And I've told this story before, but now it's relevant because they drafted him. But I heard, like, uh, you know, the crack of the helmets and pads really loud in the middle of practice. And I turn, and I see him turn back to the huddle, and the fullback's getting off the ground. And he goes back, and he's in the huddle, and he's calling the next play. So I'm like, okay. I always notice which linebackers are calling the huddle, and there's a bonus point for him. And I'm, I'm thinking it must have been him that made that noise. Next play, they're running again up the middle. Cracks the fullback, drops him again. And I'm like, man, this guy comes with some power behind him. He's got some weight. And he, I looked up; he's 240 pounds. But and then uh, I see it at the Senior Bowl, and they're tracking everyone with GPS. And he had the fastest time that day. I think he ran two, 22 miles per hour on that on the defense, fastest of anybody else. And uh, I saw, okay, so the guy is also fast. I put on the tape afterwards, and I said, well. He's an okay athlete. He's, he's got some tightness and some stiffness in him. He's definitely good against the run. He's definitely a really good tackler. I think he actually blitzes pretty well, too. And um, at the combine, he didn't do his agility tests, which yeah. I think make a lot of sense because he doesn't look very agile out there. But he ran a 4.57, which is really good. Uh, you'll take that time at, for any air linebackers. And his athletic profile without the agility scores – look pretty good, that maybe there's a little bit more to him. And at the very least, he should be a downhill run stuffer that doesn't miss tackles and has maybe a little bit more upside than Preston Brown does because he is a better athlete. What what I think was interesting, and I thought he was an inside guy completely, uh, Geno Atkins, when he was up there to call the the card in and, and announce the pick, he called him outside linebacker, Jermaine Pratt. So. That leads me to believe he could probably be their Sam linebacker in their base four three if that's what it, if that's what their base defense is, uh, and he probably won't be their nickel linebacker right away because I didn't think he was good in coverage. And uh, being a, a tighter athlete probably means they may bring him along slowly if he is the the guy starting uh, week one, which I think he definitely could be that guy.
0: I think he deserves some credit for his past defense. He wasn't unplayable as a no. as a cover guy. I mean, he's going to give up completions. He's going to play zone. He's not going to run with tight ends and running backs on seams and Texas routes or angle routes, or whatever you want to call him. But he was, I would say, respectable in that area. And if he's in the area and he can get a hand on you, he's going to make the tackle. Of all the guys we have with good size grades, he has one of the better pass defense grades in the class. The yeah. other guy you could say is in that same boat. Well, I was going to say Tavon Coney, but he's actually not as big as I thought. His size is very similar. And Tavon Coney... Well, a much worse athlete, I guess, was headier and was in the right place more for pro football focus anyway. But I did want to mention that his overall grade for PFF last year was a 90.
2: Yeah, really good. Elite grade, that means. That's and across the-, the board stuff.
0: So that means that he was probably a run defender and a blitzer more than he was in coverage, right? Because otherwise yeah. the coverage would bring him down a little bit more, yeah. but also was passable in coverage.
2: Yeah, and the thing is, when you watch linebackers across college, they're not all doing the same thing. We we talked about this with White and Bush, even though they were pretty similar. Some teams just, man, they don't tell their guy to cover at all. It's just you're playing a little zone, you're shadowing the quarterback, you're blitzing, you're almost acting as the fourth defensive lineman, uh, kind of the way the old middle linebacker used to be. He used to be a defensive tackle. Uh, anyways, that's a whole history lesson on football. But uh, with Pratt, so you don't get to see him, too often in coverage. You don't get to see him flip his hips and run. And so it's going to be different responsibilities if he's playing an outside linebacker role, which will he'll be more responsible for the flat and the hook curls. And, uh, you know, it, it's a little bit easier, I think. And that's why Perfect was able to survive as an outside linebacker also in, the, in a previous defense. So maybe it'll be different. Maybe, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to what we know. And uh, I just, my point is, I think the guy who calls the plays and it will, it will probably be Preston Brown. So he'll be out there in nickel by default and then unless it's Nick Vigil. And then Nick Vigil is still they're probably the best cover linebacker. So it'll be those two guys out there taking the majority of the snaps.
0: At least in year
2: 1. Right. Because and he's a third round pick. So we should expect that, right?
0: Yeah. Well, and it sounds like they might have drafted him in the second round if Sample was somehow not there. It sounds like they were pretty high on him.
2: Cuz I mean, they had guess... first round grade on Sample. Did they? No, I'm just saying oh, that. Oh god. Because they took him.
0: Um well, yeah. I mean, obviously their board's a little bit weird if Drew Samples. He, they said he was the best offensive player on their board in the second round, which I think is probably bullshit. And I think they needed an inline tight end. And I think they needed a linebacker. So I think that obviously there's a lot of coaching happening do. there. They, yeah, they always we, we they're said always going to say,
2: yeah, especially day two. They attack specific needs. They've done this plenty of drafts before.
0: But the good news is, and and since we're getting toward the end of talking about Jermaine Pratt, maybe we'll just summarize. Day two, Blake Cashman hasn't been picked, so if you want Blake Cashman, the Bengals can still go get him. If you want Bember Curvin, which I do, the Bengals can still go get him. If you want Drew Tranquil, and you want to you want to ride or die with Drew Tranquil and his wildness and his injury history, he's still there. So all these athletic guys that we've talked about through this process are still there. Sion so Talkie Taki's drafted. Cody Barton's drafted, but some guy from Murray State, a linebacker from Murray State who I haven't heard of, Quincy Williams, who was was just drafted by the Jacksonville Patriots. Let me guess, the Patriots. Now it says says they're listing him at safety. I could have sworn Ah, that's a linebacker. That's
2: probably – no, it may be the case. So sometimes these safety linebacker converts. uh, They may just keep him at safety. No, you can't draft, though. With the 100th pick, the Panthers took West Virginia's Will Greer. Oh, wow. Yep. I was
0: gonna say that was good uh, we were gonna start talking about targets yep. for the for the fourth round. So maybe we should wait for the fourth for the third round to finish before we yeah, get be, into that.
2: before we start there. No, who else just went? Mike Edwards, safety from yeah. Kentucky. So if you're a Kentucky fan listening, uh that's the first guy off the board for them, right? No, no Josh Allen, obviously. Lonnie Johnson also went. Oh, that's right. They wow, that's a really good draft for Kentucky. Three
0: Damn. players in the first three rounds for Kentucky this year. And they still got a couple more too. Three Boston College players, too, I believe.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, Lindstrom went 14 to the Falcons. That was a shocker.
0: Yeah, that was a bit early, but they they needed offensive line help. That's for sure. Let's talk a little bit. Let's wrap up Jermaine Pratt yeah, here.
2: Yeah, we got to put a grade on him, at least.
0: Yeah, so what's your grade for Jermaine Pratt? And then let's talk real quick about who else they might have taken in the third round, who our best players available were at that point.
2: Right. We had him as the number four linebacker coming into this. I thought maybe the... Want the true middle linebacker type, yeah, depending on what you're going to do with Bush and White. But you know after those guys, he was the middle linebacker, in my opinion, in, in this draft. So they're going to play him outside, whatever that means. My point being, we liked him. I think a, like a B-plus range, maybe a solid B for for his personal as a prospect. I think the value was... Exactly what we expected early third round, right, is where we, we kind of thought Jermaine Pratt was going to go. So this pick makes sense on that. It's probably another B. I think this is a B pick. So uh, that's what I'll give it. Yeah, it's a solid
0: B. It's it's good value, not great value. This isn't a faller. This isn't someone like, I think Chase Winovich is a better pick in the, in the third round. I think Chase Winovich might be my favorite pick in the third round by the Patriots at 14, even though we didn't have him terribly high on our board. I like Kalen Saunders at 21 to the Chiefs a lot as well. Yeah, there, there's some good picks out there. Chuma Adoga went to the Jets at 29. Yeah, I just saw round. that.
2: Yeah, I d- actually did not realize that before. There's er, there was a few picks here in the third round. It's just like we said with the second. But um, a few picks I'm glad never made it to the Bengals. Guys like Jalen Ferguson to the Rams, even though the Rams, I'm sorry, the Ravens also got Miles Boykin, the wide receiver from Notre Dame and Hollywood Brown. I was I was glad that we weren't tempted the Bengals weren't tempted so far by guys like that, Jalen Ferguson and uh Jacia Polite never made it to their pick.
0: Speaking of guys that might be tempting them, Mac Wilson's still on the board as well. I wonder about that. Mac Wilson, who many of you wanted the Bengals to pick at 42, is about to make it into day three of the draft. Which and isn't that surprising for us, right?
2: Right exactly what I was gonna say. I'm glad you went there because I was gonna say day three always made sense for me for Mac Wilson and uh I, I guess teams agreed, because I don't think the tape's nearly as good if you're judging it based on actually playing the position. If you're judging it on traits, I think you, you're happy with Mack Wilson. But, uh, and then he tested poorly and didn't produce well. So Mack Wilson here in day three.
0: I would give the Jermaine Pratt, just to close the conversation there, I would, I would mm-hmm. agree with your B grade. I think I agree with both your grades today. I might give sample a d instead of a d plus and i might give jonah williams an a instead of an a minus which i think is where you came down on him yesterday for talking about grades and then jermaine pratt i agree solid b so overall what's your gpa you're you're a four plus a two plus a three plus a two no four plus a three plus a one Huh. So that's so 8, eight, eight divided by 3. Hold on, we're yeah. going to do some math here using the old calculator. 2.6, you're 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 a C-plus average.
2: Is, does that unreal. feel right? Is It should it be weighted more for the first pick, but then the second pick should be weighted more than the third pick, right, if you're thinking of it that way. So, yeah, we might be in a C-plus C draft. I think and, it's a C-plus. Yeah, if you think about it, they've got potentially one for sure upgrade in Jonah Williams, and then the rest are maybe role players this year and one maybe a really small role and drew sample and pratt could have a decent role is if he's there uh two down linebacker one down linebacker i should say because it's 2019 and we're progressive over here but uh yeah so both guys both guys i think will get on the field early if there's injuries oh for sure and they're not far from it we've seen linebacker and tight end injuries like crazy lately so i can understand why you want to address those positions and get premium picks spent at, at those spots.
0: How about people that are pointing out that all the positions where they spent money in free agency are the positions yeah. that they're now coming back and drafting. Does that, I, I mean, you look back at the Troy Blackburn quote, who's going to play right tackle? Where am I going to get a right tackle? Well, you drafted one at 11, yeah. spent the money and then you drafted one at 11. And I love Jonah Williams as a pick, but it's just we have to go talk about Bobby Hart again because you picked Jonah Williams at eleven.
2: It's true. And we're going to have to, people have asked, are they going to double up at at offensive line? And I don't think they want to, but they would if they have to, you know, even if it's in the fourth round here, but that may kick somebody, not only off the starting spot, which may have already happened, whether it's Bobby Hart or somebody else, but it may be kicking somebody off the roster with another offensive line pick. And at this point, uh, yeah, you kind of look at the guys with one year left and not a lot of money. And I wonder if it's Clint Bowling. And some people have talked about that and brought that question up. So It's interesting. When you spend premium picks at positions where you're already spending a lot of money and the Bengals actually have a pretty expensive offensive line for the performance they're getting out of it, but now linebacker also and tight end. So, you know, they're getting up there in terms of of salary and investment. So those units need to play well.
0: Yeah. And it looks like Anthony Nelson might make it out of – Day two as well. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is one of the more surprising ones for me. Hakeem Butler, has he been picked? I think he's he, going to make he, it out of the...
2: Yeah, he was not uh, He was not picked.
0: So Minnesota's pick is in. The Bengals are not trading back up into the third round. And when they traded back in the second round, my initial reaction was they better trade back into the third round and make three picks today. Yeah. And they didn't. And I think that makes a trade look worse.
2: Instead, they've got two fourth-rounders. Maybe they can move up in the fourth. Yeah, I thought it would be like last year where they they got that extra – or did they moved up from their third-round pick, right? Because they had a compensatory pick, and they actually ended up with back-to-back Sam Hubbard and Malik Jefferson was was the deal there. Uh, I thought we'd see something like that, and they'd get another third-rounder somehow.
0: Vikings just selected Alexander Madison, Boise State, running back.
2: There's been a lot of running backs taken in the third round. Daryl Henderson, right, was the first guy to go.
0: Yep, and then I, I
2: love that fit.
0: In, I think in there's LA. been
2: five or so running backs that have gone in this round, and I'll be honest, most of them are relative unknowns. This is a, not a great class, and you can see why. Here's a first, here's a guy right here. I have no idea who he is out of yeah. Boise State.
0: I've never heard of Alexander Madison. So the running backs in the third round were David Montgomery, Damian Harris, Daryl Henderson, Alexander Madison, and Devin Singletary. Not in that order. Who's the one the Bills took from Iowa State? What's his name? David Montgomery.
2: Maybe that's Montgomery. Montgomery's fun. He breaks a lot of tackles. He is incredibly, his highlights are all just insane Marshawn Lynch looking yeah. stuff.
0: The slipperiest of yeah. the runners. Miles Sanders, of course, went one pick after the Bengals picked. Or before the Bengals picked? I don't remember that. After, after I the Bengals after. picked. He went to the Eagles 221. So that would have been right after the Bengals picked, right? Because they were picking 20th? Yeah. Yeah. So that'll do it for day two of the draft. Joe, looking into tomorrow, our best players available are pretty clearly Anthony Nelson, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Amani Hooker, Hakeem Butler, Ben Burkirvan, Amani Arrubare, Will Greer's gone, Jamel Dean is gone, Blake Cashman is still there, Chris Boyd, corner from Texas. Is he still around? Yep, he is. So those are the guys at the top of our board. Who did you have mocked to the Bengals in the fourth? I had them taking
2: Jared Stidham, I believe, the quarterback from quarterback. Album. Yeah, and I had them taking a linebacker in the third round. Also, they didn't take Pratt. Obviously, they took. Co- I had them taking. I'm sorry. What I meant to say is, I had them taking Cody Barton, who was drafted by the Seahawks in yep. the third round. So, I don't know. Uh, what well, do you get any points for that? Uh, you ever, you ever do the uh, mock draft uh, contests? Yeah. If you hey, get the right hey, position, you get a you get a point. Yeah. If you get the right player at a different spot, you get a, more more points for that. Yeah, I think so. so.
0: Let's address a couple things here. First, let's talk about Josh Rosen. Then let's talk about who are we who are we hoping? What are we hoping happens tomorrow? How can they salvage this? Uh, and when I say salvage this, I mean really just make up for the round two pick. And and well, had fourth the fourth round is important. The fourth round is very important. They have two picks there now, and you hope they. I hope they add one. I hope they use those six-round picks because, honestly, after the fourth round, your odds of making the team are just so slim.
2: Yeah, it's drastic. After the fourth round, you are basically taking guys you have priority free agent grades on. You're taking guys you want to not put out into the market so that you can make sure you get them. It's really, that's the drop-off. And Brian Callahan even said that today. Oh, really?
0: When they talked to him, they said they they asked him about the trade back. He said, "Yeah, we did it for the fourth round pick. The, the sixth round is just window dressing. Those are mostly co- priority free agents." Huh? Which yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's I I honestly love Brian Callahan. I think he is
2: been uh, open and honest about stuff.
0: Yeah, and he's had some insightful, interesting things to say. Maybe that's just confirmation bias for me. He says things I agree with. Let's say that.
2: Right. Yeah, I I, I know what you're saying. I think there's still ways to really increase what we think about this draft so far if it's a cc plus range right now i think we would like to see still somebody on the defensive line at defensive tackle maybe a pass rusher type that can compete with andrew brown who they took in the fifth round last year and got nothing out of i still think that back end of the d tackle roster can use some uh upside in in a pick that way so who's your guy there right now? Rennell Wren? Is he at the? Yeah, but he's a nose tackle looks? more. Even though he tested really well, he's never a guy that played like more than three hundred snaps or so. I believe it was because he he's always rotation. People question things. I would say it might be Michael Dogby out of out of Temple. Even though he plays you know, nose, yeah. he's more of the smaller guy that that tested well and has some athleticism. Uh, Cortez Broughton, even from Cincinnati, would be would be uh, interesting for me. I think. Also, I want to double-dip at linebacker. I'd still like to get talent there. I'd like to like them to take – we're in the range now to take a receiver. And who there's that is – There's a lot left at receiver. There was a run, too, in the third round also. But, yes, there are still some good players. We've got Hakeem Butler there sitting at the top, who a lot of people like. Uh, we've talked about before. His, he broke out at a, at a later age, and that's not great for his, his future. But, um, yeah, I think there's – Plenty of reasons still to say they can come away with a very good player here, and especially the fourth round.
0: The fourth round is going to be crucial.
2: Where, where yeah. are you going if you're the Bengals in the fourth round after the draft they've
0: had? What's your what are the positions you're targeting?
2: That's what I'm thinking. I think they still want to get a backup quarterback. And when you look at it, Ryan Finley's still there. It's the only guy they brought in. I wouldn't be surprised yep. if Ryan Finley is their pick. I, I gave him Jared Stidham, so don't be surprised. The fourth round is a quarterback and they've got two picks, they come back, it could be a running back from that point. It could be a wide receiver. I think they've they've you know spent two of their three picks so far on the offensive side when I I thought defense could end up being the heavy side of the draft this year. Uh, I just don't know wh- where that goes. Is that a corner? Is that a defensive end? Uh, is that taking back-to-back linebackers? I think that's very reasonable if they did do that.
0: I could definitely see it being a corner here. Did Julian Love end up getting picked? He, is not, he must have. Yeah, so overall, there are quite a few guys still out there at a, at a myriad of positions, really. You would like to see them get a linebacker. I think it would be nice to get a corner at some point. The safeties that are still there are very good, so if they want to take a best player available approach, they could scoop up a Chauncey Garner-Johnson if he's still around. They're probably out on tight end. We talked about this a little bit just now off the air. If We, we have to see where these other blocking athletic tight ends go. Foster Moreau... And Ch- Trayvon Wesco,
2: yeah, and yeah. Wesco was not the athletic guy, so I said I think he's going to go later. But Moro
0: Moro right? is a, yeah. a pretty you know comparable kind of prospect where a lot of he people is. are seeing upside for the athleticism and wasn't used as a receiver the same way Drew Sample wasn't often used as a receiver.
2: Right. So look where Foster Moreau goes if he goes next already two. It'd already be two rounds later. But if he goes in the fourth round, I'd feel a little marginally, very slightly better about sample. I mean, I'm very slightly. But I think it would be interesting to see if how badly they overdrafted. Like if in the third round here, Moreau went out of what. Okay, we might have been not too far off on this actually. If Trayvon Wesco goes in the fourth round, I'd say okay we're you know they they targeted the one they wanted and they got him. but uh, the way they drafted tight ends lately, I wouldn't say they know exactly what they're doing.
0: No. you know what we're gonna have a bonus topic here. Let's talk about our shadow teams. That'll be fun. okay Give a shadow team update. Uh, I'll go first. I'm on easy mode this year. My first round, if you were paying attention yesterday, was Ed Oliver at five and Dwayne Haskins at 15. I needed a quarterback. Mason Rudolph is my backup now, but he's never going to play unless Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt. So I'm never going to know if he's good or not. Dalton Reisner was my pick at 37. I think that's the same. That's right around where he was picked.
2: Yeah, he was picked one pick before the Bengals at 41.
0: Oh, 41. Okay, so I got Riser at 37. He's going to play tackle for me because I don't have tackles on my roster yet. This is the second year I've done this exercise. Then I came back and took J.J. Orsega whiteside at 47. He was the last early breakout guy with good productivity and a skill set to hang his hat on. And then when he ran that 4-4-9 in his pro day, I fell in love a little bit. Had a little bit of a draft crush on Orsega whiteside then in the third round, I went Anthony Nelson at 69 and Justin Lane at 79. Lane, of course, goes to the Steelers. And Anthony Nelson is still available, even though I think he's been our best player available for a little bit.
2: You know what I like about this is we drafted similar players. And I think by judging by the comments on Twitter and people sending us who, who they're drafting, they're also uh, sharing very, uh, very of the same opinions as we do. And, and the influence is there is what I'm trying to say. We're all but, safe. Uh, I, yeah. And, and what's weird for me is I've never had this happen before. I picked number nine this year and I took Ed Oliver with the ninth pick. Who went number nine in real life? Ed Oliver. Uh, I come in into round two and I t- also took Dalton Reisner just like you did with the ninth pick in round two. Who went with the ninth pick in round two? Dalton Rison went. So, it's funny that back to back they went exactly yeah. where they were supposed to go. Well, based on me, so I agreed with them. And I, I went with Akeem Butler, wide receiver. I could really use one right now. Uh, I haven't drafted well at receiver for a while. After taking Marvin Jones, really was my last hit. So I am, I'm really feeling at a receiver. Really, my maybe my favorite position, and I am struggling to find a number two guy. He's an old man now. Marvin is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I. Here's my receivers right now. It's Marvin Jones, Kendall Wright. If you remember, I drafted him in the first round out of Baylor in 2012. That's been a long time. Uh, and 2011, I drafted Torrey Smith in round two. He's been a he's had a solid career. I'm happy with Torrey Smith, but I have missed on a quite a few picks here. Carlos Henderson, round two in 2017. He just never showed up to play football again in year two. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: So that was it. I just don't get a round two pick out of that draft. I mean, you're looking better than me. My
0: receivers are JJR arcega Whiteside, Equin Equiminius. Yeah,
2: Brown, I have them too, actually.
0: Who who I'm excited for his future. And I took Cedric Wilson out of Boise State to play the slot, and I don't know what he's doing. Those are those are six round picks. That's what you get in the sixth round, by the way, where we have six picks for the Cincinnati Bengals. Last topic <laughs> before we wrap up is Josh Rosen. A lot of Bengals fans are upset because the Miami Dolphins traded a late second-round pick for Josh Rosen and the Bengals. Well, the Bengals drafted Drew Sample with a late second-round pick, and in fact, Miami also gave up a future fifth-rounder, so not a whole lot to give up for last year's 10th overall draft pick and a quarterback, and Bengals were obviously interested in quarterbacks, I think, or at least Bengal's fans are. So yeah, I get it. I understand your frustration. There's no reason if you're gonna take a guy you could get in the fifth round, we think, there's no reason to not give up a late second and a future fifth for a guy that might be, you know, your future quarterback. But
2: Especially when you draft Drew Sample with that pick, though.
0: Well, yeah, that's why it's so bitter, right? Like it's it things right now because you know FOMO, whatever you want to call it. it the opportunity—I don't know—opportunity cost wasn't very big. You gave up Drew Sample, you got Josh Rosen. Okay, yeah. You never. Nobody's ever going to take Drew Sample in a trade for Josh Rosen.
2: Right. But, no one wants to give up that second round pick until that second round pick is Drew Sample.
0: But the thing is, the Bengals just—they—they they were never in on Josh Rosen.
2: Did you hear about the Cardinals GM, Steve no, Kime? No right? He was not returning calls on Josh Rosen until an hour before the draft kicked off yesterday. He has not returned calls to anyone. He has accepted offers and calls, and teams have actually called a couple times, uh, but he would not call and, when teams would say, Hey, what do you want? What's the, what's the value? What are, what are you guys looking to get for him? He, the, he did not accept it. Apparently, if you watch the video of the war room, there's a complete divide between him and Cliff Kingsbury. And I think the ownership leaned with Kingsbury on this and drafting Kyler Murray. But yeah, obviously the GM just took, spent a 10th overall pick and they traded up at that point to make sure they get Rosen. He was invested in it. He did not look like he wanted to go through with this and because of it, he has killed Rosen's value. I think you could have drummed up some of this value during free agency, but they did not do it. And in fact, you know, to say like for the Reds, Redskins, for example, had interest, but as they're sitting there and, and it's, you don't get a reply from them until an hour before the first round, and now you're seeing if you can go up and get Haskins, it, you need time to let this churn and, and marinate in your brain before you go and send a, a premium pick for a quarterback. So they really messed themselves up with this.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it. And, and, and when you have those kinds of war room divides and they side with a coach, yeah, that's never going to play well. And I think, I think the Cardinals are having a good draft.
2: I know. I thought, too. I thought that also. You know,
0: his hands are tied with the first round. Somebody pointed out that since they traded up to get Rosen last year, they ended up, and then and then they traded him for a second-round pick.
2: They punted all, they've gotten terrible value out of it, yeah, right? Yeah,
0: they ended up trading up for a second-round pick. They traded up for a first-round pick last year that turned into a second-round pick this year. Yeah. When you, when you play it all out, it, it looks pretty ugly for them, but... Bengals fans, I understand why you're upset, but, I, I mean, just got to let this one go, right? The Bengals haven't been in on this for weeks.
2: And it's probably because not knowing the value doesn't help the, either, so. Yeah,
0: maybe they did call at some point, and when they didn't get a call back, they are like, you know what, we're not that interested anyway, we're not going to follow up on this. But I, right. I don't know if they ever called.
2: But here's the realization, right? Because if you don't people ask about Drew Locke in round two, the Bengals ultimately you gotta think about this. They traded away that pick that ended up being Drew Locke. If Drew Locke ends up being a franchise quarterback for the Broncos, we may think about that that trade a little bit more often, especially because they go back and get sample. Sample better be something. And you know, this yeah. fourth rounder coming up better be something to make that worth it. And already it may be hard just for the lottery ticket of Drew Locke. Anyways, I didn't like Locke, I wasn't big on him. Point being is a lot of people were asking, and what this really closes the door on is drafting anybody of value. We're going into fourth round. You're not going to get a quarterback. Dak Prescott happens once in a lifetime, really. I mean, Russell Wilson was a third rounder. That has already passed us by. You don't get starting quarterbacks. Fourth round and later, Tom Brady, I know. You can give me all these names. It doesn't happen. The percentages of hitting this is extremely low. Even if they take Ryan Finley, Jared Stidham, Tyree Jackson, whoever you can dream up, uh, at best, they're backup quarterbacks at this point. I don't think anyone's arguing with you about that. No, I'm not trying to ar- argue about that. I'm just saying we it is now we are past that point now. we have We have crossed that line.
0: The other player that you have to worry about if you're a Bengals fan and you want to live in hindsightville, is Dwayne Haskins. If he turns out to be better than Andy Dalton and sure. he's hot and he's closer to Tom Brady on that spectrum, which is a wide spectrum, I'm just saying, he's closer to Tom Brady than he is Andy Dalton. That means he's hit his best-case scenario, and, and then you say, well, was a was an offensive tackle worth it? And that, and I'm not knocking the Jonah Williams pick, but they didn't like the quarterback. So we'll see again if they – If they know how to evaluate quarterbacks, pretty much.
2: There's only been three quarterbacks drafted that they never had a chance on, right? It's been Haskins, and then Locke, and then Greer. There's there's been no other quarterbacks drafted. Correct. Because they had never had a chance at at Murray and and Jones. So we never know their evaluations on them. We have clear indications on their evaluations on Haskins, Greer, and Locke.
0: Yep. They didn't like him.
2: Didn't like him. And To
0: be fair... I I don't like two of them enough to really pick where they were picking today either. I would I, I I would have debated Haskins. Although would you I probably have taken Greer
2: in the third. No. I said third was earliest today when people asked before we we jumped in. The earliest. It just yeah. the rate is low. You know that's the the truth of it. At the end.
0: Yeah, there 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 are too many issues for me at that point. And when you take Jonah Williams in the first round, at that point, I'm not really on quarterback anymore anyway.
2: Right. I might build this roster as best as possible.
0: Yeah. Anyway, tomorrow is a new day. Tomorrow, the fourth round, they have a chance to make some waves to bring the grade up a little bit. Hopefully, they use those six-round picks, and this is Jake's opinion. Hopefully, they move those six-round picks to move up somewhere because you really can't make seven picks in this fifth and sixth round.
2: And then the seventh round—it's <laughs> a lot of picks.
0: I just, I just don't know who's going to value them enough to take him. But I mean, at least, at least they could maybe move around in the fifth round. I don't know.
2: At the very least, they should use their two fourths and fifth and early six. That's four picks, right? And use the other, and use four six rounders to move up at least a couple. So even if it moves you up two spots in a draft, it you should at least use them for that. Go
0: get. Go get Anthony Nelson, right? Go get, sure. go get somebody.
2: Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Go get John Chauncey right?
0: Gardner Johnson. Yeah, sure. Fourth round. Yeah, do it. Do the thing. Do something. Except, I mean, I, I, you feel a little bit for Zach Taylor, I guess. I don't know. I don't know who made the pick. Anyway, that has been the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We're hoping to have a rosier tone tomorrow. We are really happy about day one. I would say round two was universally panned. I think a D-plus is actually quite generous. I would say that's probably a D-minus. You're, you're
2: going further every time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> every time down. I think about I mean, how do you not make it an F, to be honest? I know. That's a three-round reach and a premium round. Anyway, uh, they come back and they take Jermaine Pratt in the third round, and according to our board, that's the right linebacker to take if you're going to take a linebacker in that spot, and I'm not mad at it. So, We'll see you tomorrow for the end of the draft. I'm going to see Avengers Endgame so that Joe and I can talk about it off the air. We won't spoil it. at I'm least the for, air. At least for a couple of weeks, we won't spoil it. Okay. We're, we're not going to be those guys. And of course, this episode has been sponsored by Abco Safety. If you have any safety needs at your place of work or you want a cool new climbing helmet, give them a call, 513-672-1818. Mention Locked On Abco when you call it to get 15% off your first order. We'll see you tomorrow, Bengals fans.
1: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.